Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Dodger Dudes Show with former Dodger pitcher Brett Tomko and his Sandlot buddy Josh the Duker Luke. The Dodger Dudes talk Dodger baseball, Sandlot stories from their youth, and share what it's going to take for the Blue Crew to win the World Series. Don't forget to answer our weekly poll question and fan poll on Twitter and Facebook. The Dodger Dudes Show is part of the Believe Sports Network online at BLEAV.com. The Dodger Dudes believe in the Dodgers. Do you believe? Welcome back to the Dodger Dudes with Brett Tomko and uh, Josh the Duker Luke. Uh, it was awesome to uh, for our audience to get to know Scott Tomko. I don't know if I ever called him a, a stat geek. I call myself a stat geek, but if there is a stat geek, it's it's Scott Tomko, and he's an amazing, uh, amazing with the stats. And I got to tell you, Brett, before you chime in on your big bro, that guy was is everybody as good of a baseball player when I was watching as Brett was, and and uh, you know Brett grew up and and uh, learned to be a great pitcher. But Scott was a heck of a ball player himself, I know, in high school and college. So I want to make sure that the audience heard that as well because he's not just a stat geek. That that guy could ball, man. I think I think you saw that when there was a big hesitation when I said who's better at baseball. Oh, yeah. Because you, could you, you couldn't see him, but you could see his face like, oh, how do I answer this? Yeah, that's the big right. brother well, complex, man. <laughs> totally. He was, I mean, he was a great, he was a great player and, um, you know, he's definitely not just a guy that's crunching numbers, but he, he's been on the field, you know, not at, not at the level that, you know, your brother and, and I did it. Um, just like you, I mean, you played, you played sports growing up and, and if you're in that and you kind of understand and been around the game a lot, you have, you have insight. So, you know, definitely, um, there's a lot of knowledge up in that brain. I didn't preface it as much as I should have, but yeah, he definitely knows, uh, knows baseball and, and definitely throughout my career, you know, he'd throw stuff out at me all the time. That was, you know, really good knowledge to listen to. And, and, you know, we had good, we had a good time, uh, going back and forth. I still think I'm a better athlete than he. he really <laughs> we'll look back on out. that one in the off season. Right? <laughs> hey, you know, actually that's why, so Scott, it was, he was class of 88, right? Yeah. 88. Yeah. So he's two years older than me. So I wasn't that tight with Scott in high school because I actually didn't even come to El Dorado high school until he, there was only about 10 weeks left in his senior year. But Scott and I really bonded over the last 20 years yeah, being absolutely. brothers of professional athletes. And, and really, I think Scott and I both took a ton of pride in figuring out how we could provide insight to you, our brothers as players, that, that was valuable to you. And that's not always easy, right, to, to be a guy that can, can say, hey, big bro or little bro, I know you're the guy, but here's what I see, and I just think you should hear it and ponder it. Yeah, it, it was it was tough sometimes, and I don't know how Matt handled it with you, but you know sometimes it's like I have plenty of coaches, I have a million coaches, uh, you know, at the stadium, and then I'm getting this thrown at me. But you know, you couldn't discount you know what he was saying because you know he played, he was a hitter, he stood in a box, he he saw how pitches how pitches. Oh, he played at a high level too. Like yeah, we played college ball together, so it wasn't like you know it was just like he was a Joe Schmo on the high school team. You know, we went on to college together, and he. You know, he was successful in college. So it just, you know, it's definitely good insight. And I, I don't know how, I don't know how Matt received it sometimes, but sometimes we butted heads and, it, and it, <laughs> I, had sure. to, I had to step back and sometimes and, and really kind of, you know, take the brother hat off and, and, you know, but you know he had the right intentions. And hey, guys, we're going to talk Dodger playoff baseball, but let's finish that thought because this is what people are telling us they love about our show is that, 
is that real true emotion. I'll tell you, Brett, the times that I shared with Matt, it was more, and this is what I've heard you talk about with your brother. It was the behavioral more than the physical. It was the mentality. And I remember every year, Matt was a year older, so I would fly back to wherever minor league city he was in. I would pay him my own dime, fly back there, sleep on his floor, hang out with his buddies. And one year he gets to double A and he pops up in the infield and doesn't run it out. And, and we didn't even sit down at dinner before. I'm like, hey, dude, just come home with me if that's what this is all about. Now, because as you know, that wasn't my brother. My brother and, and your brother kind of were both known as Mr. Hustle, the guys that would sprint out every ground ball and, and, and would, you know, do the Pete Rose dive through a catcher. And it was moments like that where he didn't like hearing it from me, but he, he'd thank me a day or two later and go, you were right. I needed a major attitude adjustment. Well, and, and that's the thing. It's like you, you and Scott, you're going to keep it real. You know, there, there's a lot of people that, oh, you're doing great. You're doing this, you're doing that. But, you know, sometimes you need that. I mean, not all the time. There were times where I already knew all that stuff and, it, and to get bombarded a little bit more. You know, sometimes it, it got dicey every once in a while. But, you know, like, like you said, I, I know where your heart is. I know where his heart is. You, you guys wanted the best for us. And, it, and it's good. You got to have those people in your corner that, that are looking out for you. And, and, you know, it's always good because when things really got bad and it hit the fan, you know, there could be a phone call, you know, Matt could call you, I could call Scott and there could just be, could just be a brotherly conversation, not even talk about baseball, but you know, you have, you have somebody that has been there the whole way and, and, and seen it all. And it's, it's always good to have that guy in your corner. I, I'm sure, I'm sure there were a lot of conversations you and Matt had that, that he was just yeah. like back off Josh. Yeah. He's like, what do you know, man? You played JV baseball for one summer. Or something. But you know, <laughs> but you know, but you know him. And I know, and the, the I know thing. business. And that's the part that I think the, 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 from the outside, really sometimes not being a baseball player, but watching the business of baseball with no emotion, it's easier. It's almost easier to learn that sometimes in some perspectives from the outside. But hey, my brother said something at my mom's memorial service, bless her heart. My mom passed away a few months ago, but he said, my mom said the same exact thing to me after every game I ever had. You looked cute in your uniform and you were the cutest one in your uniform. <laughs> not so my mom not role, my... and there's a mom's role right <laughs> well not my mom my mom once told me after a game i was throwing too many uh off speed <laughs> i've just given up like seven or eight runs she's like oh, i think you're throwing yeah, i can see speed her pitches. doing that too yeah. man listen i don't need that i just I need can, that. hey you're okay you know well, it so it's playoff season let's talk dodger baseball so the wild card starts uh, a week from oh let's just say wednesday uh, the wild card is going to start Wednesday, October. What day is that going to be? Let me pull up my calendar. Wednesday or, or Thursday, October 3rd is what we talked about, right? Right, right. Uh, Dodgers will be at home for two games against either. Uh, it looks, it's looking more and more like the Washington Nationals or the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, the Cubs, I think, are still one or two games from being officially eliminated, but holding on by a thread. And Brett and I are going to do a whole other show on the matchups. But, Brett, let's talk about the Dodgers limping into the playoffs man what concerns you the most i mean what concerns me the most is is exactly that they're banged up i mean you know they're still winning ball games and they're still getting it done and they're still you know they're still playing winning baseball but you know you have to be concerned i'm concerned i would be concerned if i was the training staff the front office dave roberts the fans because you know the last few weeks you thought hey, we're going to really have a chance to rest up. We're going to be able to manipulate, try some people out, really set up how we want to do the rotation and the lineup. And I don't think it's been that way. You've had some guy Rich Hill, you know, you figured you were going to have him back, but now it's like, 
you know, his knees banged up. He's going to test it out and see how it goes. But, you know, Kershaw and Ryu, they're not throwing. Ryu's, there's glimpses of him getting back to how he was, but there's, they, they haven't been what they were at the first two months of the season. And, and I'm concerned because there's, there's a lot, I think, pieces of the puzzle that, that aren't in yet that I think need to be in to get that momentum going into the playoffs and really come out hot against whoever's going to win the playing game with a wild card. And so let's go through the individuals and let's just start with the guys that aren't going to be there. Verdugo's out and there's no way there's, this guy doesn't have enough street cred. He's, he was, look, he was great. He was this first half. He was as much of a role player force as anybody, but he doesn't have the track record to justify Because guys. I know we had a whole show on this, but let me tell you the Dodger bench in the playoffs based on Brett, uh, Jerry Harrison, Matt, every single player we've had on says 13 pitchers and 12 position players. Let me remind you who the Dodgers bench is, and it's very small. It's a backup catcher, Russell Martin. It's David Freeze, a World Series hero, right-handed pinch hitter, first baseman. It's Chris Taylor and Kiki Hernandez who can play anywhere on the field, get you a base hit, hit you a key home run. That's it. That is your entire bench. Okay. And with Verdugo out – you can't here, – here's what it comes down to. As much as you love Dougie, if you love Dougie, okay, uh, as much as he was awesome, which one of those four guys do you take off the playoff roster to put him on? There's none of them in my mind. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to pick that, to be honest. No, there's uh, no way. I, I think it might come down to matchups. Maybe maybe whoever they're playing, they think, you know, this guy's a better – you know, there's so much – there's so much – data right now that maybe there's some data that's going to say hey this guy this guy does better against Scherzer and 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 Strasburg or or does better against Davies and Woodrow I mean you don't know and that that may be the determining factor on that last guy but you know it's a great problem to have I mean that's the way I look at it because if somebody did get hurt or somebody wasn't quite full strength they have backup and I I think well, and Beatty too, right? So if you're going to justify bringing a left-hander in to bench one of those guys or to bench a pitcher, Beatty's been hot or hot of the second half, so it's Beatty or Verdugo. There's, there's like these, this whole series of questions. I don't think any of them work out well for Verdugo. No, I don't, I don't, I, I don't think Verdugo's a chance at all. I mean, he yeah. hasn't – I think the last time he, he played was like sometime in August. Yeah, so we're ruling and, him out all the No, time, I, right? I think he's 98%, 99% out, and I don't even know if that – they get down the playoff road and happen to get into the world series. If he would even be an option. I mean, they may send him yeah. down to maybe Arizona. Yeah. I mean, maybe they may, they may send him down to Arizona and just see it, but you know, you're not facing, you're not facing a Verlander in Arizona. I don't care who's down there, you know, getting some work in with that, that new simulator they got too. That's what Pollock and was using. Yeah. But there's, it's you, you, you can't simulate, you can't simulate playoffs and, and a guy standing 60 feet, six inches from you and, and really, Agreed. Really, really be able to test it. You could test out how you feel and if you swing and it hurts, but you're not going to test out that. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable doing that. So let's, so let's do the March Madness approach. Who's the, the, the last in and the last out? Well, the last in is going to be, you know, uh, Chris Taylor and Kike, which means Beatty, Matt Beatty is the first out. And here's which the is dilemma. crazy to think about that. It is because he's been so good. But again, you and everybody else said 13 pitchers. And so if we, we trust that, so that means 12 position players of the 25-man roster. But here's the, the point I want to make. It's four right-handers, okay? And so we've already talked about that. That's okay. But, uh, Brett, here's the question for you. Does, that, does Doc now be less lefty-righty earlier in the game because he has no lefties if the other pitcher, Coach Deeks him, 
he's just wasted one of his four bench players. Well, I, I yeah, I don't think I don't think you're going to worry about that at all, to be honest, because you got guys in there that that are going to get the job done. I don't care if it's righty lefty matchup, but some of that stuff you got to throw out the window. So, Brett, let's talk about that. Knowing that the Dodgers traditionally during the regular season are as guilty as any team of early in the game. We've seen Doc in the fourth and fifth inning make some moves that when we grew up, you only made in, in the ninth and, and maybe in the eighth inning. Uh, if Jock Peterson comes up in the fifth or sixth inning and they bring in a lefty, knowing this, uh, I mean, are you looking at the book to see how many more lefties they have in, in the bullpen? Or, or what's, what's your thought process? Well, that, I think that's the problem. Uh, if you're, you know, heavy-handed, right-handed hitters in the, in the, in the bullpen, I mean, uh, in the dugout, because that's who you take, you know, that's going to be – I guarantee that situation comes up. It's going to be the fifth inning, a crucial situ- situation where they bring in a left-hander to face him. And do and you take the chance and put a right-handed hitter in, and then you lose in the rest of the game? I think, I think he's too valuable, you know, hitting off right-handers. So maybe you give up the at-bat, which is, will be hard to do because there's, there's so much data out there. And, and, and you know, to, to take a guy out of the game to maybe potentially lose him in the later part of the game you know, there's going to be big decisions to make, but, you know, I think you go with the guys that are dynamic. You think the bench players, whether they're righty or lefty, you go, you know, Hernandez, CT3, those guys can play everywhere. So you can't not take those guys. And if it means having all right-handers on your bench, so be it. You, 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 that's the hand you're dealt. That's what you have. And, and you make the best of it. So, so Brett, I know you and I don't know the answer to this, but there's, there's one answer that will make a lot of people feel better. My brother and his buddy flew to Boston last year and went to game one and two of the World Series. And the Dodgers had 120 home runs sitting on the bench. <laughs> it, it, for both games, because of righty, lefty, and that was it. Is there any chance of that happening? We did hear hints earlier in the year that, that Belly wasn't every day, that Muncie wasn't every day. Um, that's been pretty consistent, but what does your gut tell you? It's going to be game to game. You've said that several times, but what does your gut tell you about those guys being everyday players? Well, I mean, they're absolutely. I think the only way Muncy's not going to be an everyday player is, is how his wrist is feeling. If his wrist is healthy, um, I feel like they have to have him in the, in the lineup. He's, too, he's potentially too big of a bat. I mean, there might be a situation where a bench player just dominates – a certain pitcher and that's the matchup. And then so Muncy's on the bench and you got a guy with, you know, 30, 30 some home runs on the bench and, and that's okay. Um, because if it's a situation where somebody, you know, covers the other guy and owns him, you're going to go with that hot hand. Um, you know, Belly's going to be in there no matter what. I mean, yeah. he, potentially, you know, MVP candidate. Um, I don't know if he's going to sneak that out or, or be in contention, but dude, he's the guy he's, he's him and Turner are not going anywhere in the lineup. They're going to be hovered, you know, three and four or two and three, however they, they've done it during the season. That, that, those are the guys. Those are the guys you're going to ride no matter what. They're the rider dies. Well, and I'm with you. Muncy's earned that respect, too. And when you have those three guys back to hey, – and, and one of the guys I'm going to talk about, if there's a bright spot on offense last month, Corey Seager, man. This guy's put that guy. a very consistent second half, and nobody's noticing. And that's what Doc wanted. He, you know, he's been our number two hitter for several years. He's been buried at the, you know, from the five and six hole down this year because Doc just wanted to get him on that role. And he's been our best hitter, I would bet you, in, in the month of, uh, of September. Oh, I mean, without a doubt, uh, he's, he's been the best hitter. Um, he's been incredible. And that's the thing, the whole season, I think there's so many storylines and, and so many things going on that you can't, 
he just kind of fell through the cracks. I mean, he started off a little bit slow in April. Um, he was hovering around 240, but then he started picking it up. And he had a month of June, he hit 425. You know, so he, it's not that he had just been hanging out doing nothing. He's just been, he's been, people have been sleeping on him basically. He, he's not that guy because I think because Bellinger's done so much and he's been such the big storyline and Jansen's been a, such a big storyline that Seager's just gone about playing shortstop. You know, he's healthy, which is great. I, I think that was the main concern going into the season, how his health was going to be. And he's, he's, he's maintained that. So yeah, he's, I mean, his player of the week this week for the national league. And, and, you know, it's no surprise. I, I think there's glue guys. And I say this, there's your guys that are foundation. They're, they're the guys that you know what they're going to do. You know what Bellinger's going to do. Hopefully we don't know what he's going to do in the playoffs. Cause he's in the last couple of playoffs, he's struggled a little bit, but you know what he's done all year. You know what Turner's done all year. The guys that I think are important that win championships are the Seegers, are the Petersons, are the, the guys that bridge the gap between those foundation guys. That's how, that's how championships are won. And I think Seeger, you talk about gaining momentum and gaining, you know, some confidence going into the, the playoffs. I mean, there can't be anybody that's got more confidence than him right now. And I like the way uh, Pollock's been playing, too. I mean, I think uh, – I know I can say this about me. I mean, of course, we're so loyal to the guys we like, and we sign the Spree agent, and he comes out of the gate struggling. Verdugo has an awesome first half, and you're like, there's no way Pollock's going to play this well. And he comes back, and Pollock has proved everybody wrong and proved he's a, 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 an essential part of this lineup who even stole a couple bases the last couple weeks. I mean, he's a guy that's helped when the other guys were out that can really hit anywhere one through eight – and 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 do well there so i mean seager and pollock have been a bright spot in what otherwise has been a month full of a really full of question marks so let's look before we move on from peterson i pulled up his career stats and i did some quick math okay this year 32 home runs uh zero against uh left-handers 32 against right-handers career-wise he has 110 home runs against uh right-hand pitching and nine against lefties but he only has uh, 335 at bats. Oh, I divided by the wrong. Uh, yeah. Matt, how, how was your math scores uh, in high school? <laughs> <laughs> well, so I'm thinking nine by 330 is going to be about three and a half. So, so one in every 35 at bat. Is that right? Or one in every 35 <laughs> at bats? It's in that for, ballpark. Yeah. For versus right-handers and uh, versus left-handers, it's half that. It's one in every 16, it looks like. So in any case, uh, Jock's had an amazing year. I think uh, as, a, as he's a veteran at this point, he's been up there five or six years. He's a guy who has hit, I want to say, six postseason home runs. Um, the lefty versus righty thing's definitely in play. But, but yeah, but uh, the, I, I'm looking at his lefty righty split. He's only hitting 246 against right handers, 229 against left handers. So, average wise, it's not that much difference. He doesn't so, like to hit singles, though. <laughs> I know, but that, I mean, if it comes down to it, like, you know, it, can he hit a home run? Absolutely. You know, it, it but the, you know, he's not, he's not driving the ball against right-handers in terms of like, he's either going to hit a home run or nothing. It seems like, you know, it, it, in that situation, if a left-hander comes up early middle in the game, I think you got to leave him in and give up that bat. And, and hopefully, you know, later down the line, if it comes to the ninth inning and he's facing a left, if he's facing hater with Milwaukee, dude, he's out of the game. There's no chance you're hitting against that guy. So, you know, I think it's going to be situational. I think it's going to be that decision in the moment that that Dave's going to have to, you know, think about. But, 
you can't just because it's the numbers are the numbers say hey you don't get to play yeah and so hey we're going through here so so we've already established a couple things let, let's go through our starting eight and and let's identify who is a for sure everyday player and if any of these guys might be platooned in in a critical uh playoff series and why Seeger for sure every day right sure absolutely no doubt no doubt Pollock I think he's an everyday guy at this point yeah he'll probably play I would imagine he'll, he might play left field yeah Turner and Belly every day no doubt about it every day um so here's where it's gonna get interesting right now um, I think freeze freeze might be every day okay well for, because freeze but but who's whose job does he take I put he, play, Mun- he plays, Muncie he plays at, first base okay and, and you put Muncie at second base. Okay. So freeze if you have him every day. Okay. And I don't necessarily disagree with that. Uh, but to me, Muncie would 100% be in every day if he wasn't uh, sitting on the bench as of right now. And so he's got six games to get, his, get in his group. And, and my gut tells me that if he's not in – because I, I, you guys know if you listen to the show, I, I think as highly of this guy as a hitter as anybody, as, as literally anybody in the league. I think he's that smart of a hitter, hits for power, hits for average. He's unselfish. I say he's 200% in every day. But if he doesn't find his groove in the next six days, I think there's a chance he could, he could maybe get platooned against the lefty. What do you think? I mean, he might. I mean, I – that's what we talked about limping into the playoffs. You know, if he's literally limping in and just not feeling right, whether it's his wrist or, you know, his quad is still tight, it's definitely going to play a role in it. You're not going to have a guy out there that's 70% of what he is and just try to get through it when you have guys that are legit hitters on the bench. So I think it's a lesser two evils. Do you, is Lux going to make the roster? If Lux makes the roster here, you got a guy that, has proven in the short time he's been there that he can he can compete. You know, he's in 273. It's not that's a decent little average for the month. Maybe he doesn't have right now the home run, you know, I don't want to say potential because that's he's definitely got the home run potential, but he doesn't have the stats to go out there and prove he's gonna put up home run numbers like Muncie. But I think it all depends on how banged up Muncie is, whether, you know, his wrist is feeling and that's where I don't know what was going on when he came back. And granted, when he came back, he was facing like top of the line starters. You just come off a wrist injury. So it wasn't like he was facing slouches. So the hundred batting average that he was throwing out there could be a little bit deceiving, but obviously he's banged up and the quad's not feeling great. So, I mean, what do you do? What do you think? Well, I tell you what, I think uh, we, we did a math there earlier because my, uh, no, we didn't do a math there because there's only four guys on the bench, but but with uh, let's identify our lineup really quick. We might have room for Beatty or Lux on the roster, not just the fact that they're both deserving, but they bring a left-handed bat. But so let's go through our roster. Who do you have leading off uh, if everybody's healthy? Is it Seeger or is it Pollock? Because um, I think they're one and two at this point. I think they're hitting first and second, whichever order. I mean, what about Peterson leading off? I mean, he's That's let right. off. He's let off a decent amount of the season. I think. That's right. I, I got think, that wrong. Peter. I think he's your leadoff guy playing right field to start off. Yeah. Bellinger's in center. Pollock's in left. You got Turner at third. Um, let's see. So that puts Pollock as the seven hitter, and this and Smith as the eight hitter. And based on our conversation, so so you got Peterson, Seager, Turner, 
Bellinger, Muncie, Freeze, and and flip flip out the two, five, and six. I mean, Muncie, Freeze, Seager, or who knows, two, five, six. They get mixed up based on lefty versus righty, based on who's hot, who's not, based on pitching matchups. But that leaves um, Smith and um, who did I mention Pollock in your seven, eight hole, right? Right. Correct. Yeah. And, and look, no disrespect to either of those guys. They've been just as hot. I love having guys like Pollock and, and Smith. Smith. Well, I think I think I think it's a no brainer that that Smith is hitting in the eight hole. I mean, he had a, he had an unbelievable stretch when he ran when when he first came up. But you know, I think over the course of time, they brought him up for his receiving. They didn't bring sure. him up for his hitting. So anything he does hitting wise is a plus. But I don't think he's your guy that you know. I I saw times that he was hitting third in the lineup when Turner was out. But he's not that guy. I don't think he's that guy yet. Could he potentially be that guy? Who knows? Once he once he gets around a little bit, learns a little bit more about big league hitting, he could. He's not that guy right now. So he's hitting in the eight hole. I I think one hundred percent. So so my math was off earlier then because when you remove Verdugo from, I think I had still had that old lineup of him penciled in, and you have Freeze kind of in there for him. So that actually means you got one more bench spot, which would probably be between Beatty and Lux, and that'd be an interesting conversation. That that's a great conversation. I think a lot depends on Muncie. I mean, if Muncie's healthy and they think he's ninety-five percent, I think you you might have to go Beatty. You know uh, what I'm always perplexed by, Brad? And I, I remember last year the Dodgers like sent this kid home from AAA, and then two days later, like, oh, never, never mind, come to the big leagues because even though you're hitting a buck eighty, you're like the fastest guy in the entire Dodgers minor league program, and we might need a base stealer on the play. Do you remember this last year? They, oh yeah, they called this guy up, and I'm going, there's no way they can add this guy to the roster, right? But I'm always perplexed that Dave Roberts, whose whose monumental career moment is a stolen base in the playoffs and World Series. We never have that guy on our team. And there's not even one of these guys you're looking at going, oh, he's a base stealer, right? I mean, there's really but not that, even but that, but that part of the game doesn't even really exist anymore. Yeah. It's, there's, there's a few guys that are stealing bases. Acuna's stealing bases, but he's trying to prove something and go 40-40. But you don't see that type of baseball anymore. So it's, you don't have those Billy Hamiltons, you know, on the bench, you know, doing that stuff. You, you don't have that luxury. And to be honest, there's not a ton of those guys around that are just those type of base dealers uh, that that would be a luxury that would be great to have. But I think well, we say it all the time with the analytics, there's so much more out there that, to, that you could use a guy that specifically is hitting whatever against a right-hander and that could come into play, you know, instead of having a guy that's just fast. And to your point, it's not even about being a five tool player. There's just not two tool players that can hit and run. <laughs> you know no, what I mean? It no. just hit for average and run. There's not many of those guys around. You know anymore. what? There, there probably is. There's probably guys out there that if you if you said, "Hey, I want you to try to steal 40 bases this year," they could do it. Well, that's Mike it's Trout. Not, that's Jock Peterson. When those guys came up, they were always that. But it's the sure. younger guys. The younger guys do that. Once you get established, I, I'll guarantee at a point, Trout is going to be like, "I'm done." I'm well, done. he's already done that. He's already done that. He's yeah, he's he's, he's proved he can do it. And, and then now there's no reason to do it. A-Rod was the same way. A-Rod, you know, when he first came, he was running left and right, stealing 40 bases. As he got a little bit older, he was still quick, but he's like, what do I have to prove? I'm just going to sit back and try to hit bombs. Yeah, I, I miss that part of the game. I, I, I'm an old school guy and that I like the, the speed. I think, I think eventually it'll come back to that. I think with all the analytics, and Dave and I talked about this at lunch one day, I think all the analytics, it's, it's the hot topic right now. It's, it's the thing. I mean, there's so many numbers and there's stat casts and all that stuff. But I think eventually it's going to plateau 
And there's gonna, it's going to come back down where I think there's a little bit more baseball, you know, old school baseball in terms of like bunting and moving, runnings, moving runners over some steals. I think it'll, it'll even out. But it's just there was so much success with it right away. Like, hey, look at this. Look at these spray charts. This is happening and run with it. And, team, you know, the Oakland A's, the Tampa Bay's, they had yeah. success with it. So they, I think everyone jumped on board. The Cubs jumped on board. The Dodgers jumped on board. They're the big, the big numbers teams. And, and teams see that and go, hey, it's working for them. Let's jump on board. So, yeah, and, and I think your point's right on. Even the guys that are those guys, within four years of establishing themselves, they start to, you see a, a 20% drop off, and then within two years, it's 50%. And then you forget they were a base dealer altogether. And then every spring train, training, there's a story about how they're going to steal more bases again this year, and it never really happens. Right? Hey, so. li- listen, <laughs> listen, if, if, if the balls are the way they are this year, no one's ever going to try to sit back and, and say, hey, I'm going to get base hits and steal. Because I was going through stats when we were trying to break down some of these wild card teams. The amount of home runs like are alarming when I started really looking at them. Because, you know, they, you know if, it used to be if a guy hit 20 home runs, oh, man, he's putting it down. There are so many guys. There's like 30 home runs, 20 home runs, 23 home runs, 20. Like there used to be a couple of those. It's crazy. And I think guys are going to see that. It, guys get paid. There's a lot of money rolling around now, and if you hit a lot of bombs and driving a lot of running, runners, you're going to make millions upon millions. Yeah, there's the, the motivation. That's yeah, huge there, motivation. There's a, lot, there's a lot of reasons for that, man. So, well, hey, let's finish up with, I think, just kind of the, the injury report, if you will. Uh, Justin Turner, every day, no matter what, when he comes back, right? I mean, we're all in agreement on well, that. Well, he's close. I, I talked to a couple people that he said – He hit the other night. Yeah, I and he's real close, I think, to like being the normal Justin Turner. You know, there I I have a really bad right ankle and I've sprained it. It'll probably I probably turned my ankle on your foot at one point because your foot's like <laughs> 17 inches. I don't I forgot what size are you, 16? Yeah, I used to be yeah. 16. Right. So you, ankle injuries are 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 different. I mean, especially you gotta make a lot of cuts, you gotta make turns, especially in the infield. So, you know, to get some at bats just to get the look of it, um, a ball coming in, he's got to do that. But to get that ankle to the point where he's got nine more days, man, him and months are fine. They got six days of games, three days of simulated games. Should they need them? And, and I actually was glad because Muncy didn't look himself. Um, I was kind of glad that he had the little quad thing and say, okay, now risk the ice, the wrist for a couple more days, right? Make sure it's a hundred percent, get that quad healthy and let's go play some Dodger baseball. And they've proven in the past, Brett, that they, they don't have to be hot finishing the last week of the season to come out hot in the playoffs. It's sure nice to have a good last couple of games, though, isn't it, just to run up the score a little bit? Absolutely. And I think, I think Rich Hill is going to be a big thing, how his knee holds up, because I know the, the, the four-starter thing is, has been a big, big topic. So him limping in, I mean, we use the word limp a lot, but, dude, it's true. I mean, they got a few things. And I think – I think more importantly, in terms of injuries, let's just call them mental injuries too. There's a lot of those things floating around. You got, you got the state of the, of the pitching staff, Kershaw and Ryu and Jensen. I think the, those guys got to get their heads straight. They got to they got to get where they feel comfortable going into the playoff games, where they feel like, hey, I got a handle on everything. I'm ready to go. I'm I'm back in midseason form. So I mean. You know, there's physical injuries and there's mental stuff going on. So I think those, these last, like you said, they got nine days. 
till till you know the lights go on and, and it's game time. So they got to they got all figured out. And it looks like it looks like you know we, we got the whole squad except for uh, Verdugo uh, on the pitching side. We're, we all think we have Rich Hill back, but uh, we'll know by Sunday for sure. Right, right. It'll be he, interesting to see him. I know he's he's trying to change some mechanics. Yeah, and that's. You know, I don't know how comfortable the Dodgers are sending out a pitcher in a playoff game that is tweaking his mechanics to make it so he doesn't hurt. You got to wonder how effective that he's going to be because, I mean, he's a full-body guy. He's throwing elbows and knees and shoulders and and everything you can at at home plate. So to be able to put that torque on on his legs and his his lower half, it's going to be interesting to see. So let me put you on the spot about last offensive spot. You know, it's my favorite topic. I know. With, with Chris Taylor and Kike, I mean, they're both amazing defenders. Gold glove if they played every day, quality caliber defenders. With, so defense isn't your concern on the bench. If it comes down to Beatty and Lux, it's almost like defense is out the window because you got two guys that you know are there that can play it. So aren't you just looking at the bat there? Well, it's – yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, the only thing that I, I think is because you have guys like you have Taylor and you have Hernandez that can play anywhere. And right now, Lux, he's a second baseman. But short so, second. He, he's playing yeah, second. Because but yeah, he's Munson. not playing over Seager. But I mean, once he getting hurt is a, is a real, it's a legit, but, but you got Kike and Taylor who played there forever too. I, I don't think he makes the roster. I think he's around that if somebody gets hurt, say if yeah. Seager gets hurt or somebody else gets hurt, he's around and he's ready to go. But I don't, I don't anticipate him being in the roster. But like you said, whatever need they think they, need, they have to have, you know, I, I, think, I think Beatty's been there and he's, he's shown that he's, he's made some big hits in some crucial situations. And, you know, you can't discount that right there. And, and, and Lux is unproven. And I don't know if you're taking an unproven guy you know, three weeks or a month of September is, you know, it's not like he went out there and hit 350 and hit like eight, nine bombs. So I think we'd be having a different conversation if that happened. Well, and, and, and you know, it's going to be, the bus is going to be full regardless the of full. the roster yeah. because you're going to have in the dugout, at best of my estimation, you're going to have Lux, Verdugo, Rios, and Jed Jorko. And then um, the guy you played with, his name's escaping me right now. Brown. Negron, who's uh, those guys are all so Jorko and you've got a great cheerleading staff. Well, and and great in all seriousness, guys with with playoff experience and rings. I mean, that's that's a big deal, right? Absolutely. And you you have May as a pitcher, either May or Gonsolin, because our numbers show that it's probably one or the other. So you you got six extra seats, the the reserves, the the alternates, if you will, on the All Star team. When you're in Little League, you got six of them sitting in the dugout, so it'll be a full house. Yeah, I and I think when you you hit that a little bit, Gonsolin and May. For me, I think Gonsolin is is the guy, just because I think he's shown and kind of proven the last couple months that he can make the adjustments. He can go in the bullpen. I, I think May's upside in the long run is he going to be better? Who knows? I think. Both those guys are still, uh, I, I say, a little bit unproven in terms of, you know, major league experience. But I think Gonsolin actually has shown that, you know, he's the guy that, that could fill in in the bullpen or potentially, if Hill doesn't make it back, be that four starter. I've, I felt like that from the start. And I feel like with each week that's passed, I've been more convicted in that. And you just hit on what I've observed as somebody who sits there and watches every game. Uh, May 
Gonsolin's adaptable may seems to me to be a one to two batter pitcher in the playoffs. He 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 he's able to come in and get a guy or two out of right hander, but when he starts going into extended innings, there's a home run here, there's a bad inning there. Even the other night, I mean, I think he had two runners on before he got a guy out. Somebody bailed him out with a good play. And no disrespect, the guy's young. I mean, yeah, he's got cool hair, but I think Gonsolin's uh, uh, that's debatable too. I'm not, <laughs> I'm, not I'm not on board with that yet. Not yet. It may well, grow hey, on some... it literally may grow on me, but we'll see. Yeah, it's going to grow on to everybody if he doesn't get a cut. So. Right. I think it's risky. I think it's risky putting him out there because, you know, his numbers, like I said, if those guys came up and they were just lights out, I mean, he's still, you know, sub four ERA barely, you know, he's still, he still is a good pitcher, but I don't think in 12 innings or no, how many innings he has 31 innings. You, you can say he's the guy for sure. At some point next year, it's going to be a big year for him. He's going to yeah. get – definitely going to get a shot to be out there every fifth day. Uh, but Ryu right. and Rich Hill are both on the market after this year. We'll talk about that once the season's over. Right. Hey, we forgot somebody on the uh, on the uh, alternate list. Austin Barnes is going to be there too. So, I mean, you're going to have, a, you're going to have a, a real full house of guys who are deserving. And as Brett said many times, that's a good problem to have. Brett, you've got some data on, on uh, Will Smith as a catcher that you want to go over. So let's talk about that. Okay. So everybody kind of knows, um, you know, Will Smith came up really hot. He came up hot, started hitting the cover off the ball. Um, and I, I think that was the main storyline, but as, as the season progressed a little bit, there was kind of a pattern. Ryu and Kershaw weren't pitching very good. And I think the big, the big question is, is it the catcher or is it the pitcher? Is it Smith because he's young and inexperienced? and maybe calling a game or is it, you know, the big guns are just not getting it done. And, and there's some, there's some numbers that kind of, I think to the naked eye could maybe make you think it was, was him. Ryu, uh, Austin Barnes, Russell Martin. We'll, we'll, we'll just get Russell Martin has caught Ryu 116 innings, 1.70 area. This is, and I'll preface this. This isn't Ryu's last two starts. Um, these numbers were from a couple weeks ago. 1.7 ERA, 15 walks. Will Smith, in just 26 innings, Ryu had a 5.81 with eight walks. Almost half the walks in, you know, a fourth of the inning or fifth of the innings. You know, and then you move on to Kershaw. Austin Barnes, 104 innings, catching him, 3.03 ERA. Russell Martin, catching him, short, 13 innings, 2.06. Will Smith, 42 innings, 3.43. A little bit higher. You go on to Bueller. Buellers are, are, are pretty, pretty similar. Um, Austin Barnes, 97 innings, 2.4. With Smith behind the plate, 55 innings, 3.58. So definitely higher, especially alarmingly with Ryu. So oh, Brett, let me, let, me, let me do what people love us doing on this show, which is interrupt you. Go, okay, Brett, take us back to when, when, I, you, were, when you were there. Okay. Absolutely. And, this, it, and I, I have the These guys are veterans. Okay, and if you have a rookie catcher, I want to do a whole show on this once about catchers you liked and catchers you didn't and why and how you work on that. But look, if, if Kirsch has an issue with the way the game's being called, 99% of that's taking place in the four days in between in locker room conversations, right? Yeah, I mean, you're definitely having conversations, but there's nothing that can mimic that game, that game situation. I, I, I put it back to this, and it – this is where you, you think, is it the catcher or the pitcher? Mike Matheny, arguably my generation, the best game caller receiver in the game. I mean, I don't think anybody will dispute that. Turn manager. 
return manager. My first half with St. Louis, I was the worst pitcher in, in the major leagues. Uh, 70 ERA. Most you love to bring that up, by the way. Well, no, no, but I'm just saying. And it was it because Mike Matheny couldn't call a game? Or was it because I was stunk? Go to the second half, and Tony La Russa was super superstitious. Uh, Joe Girardi caught me one game, went out there and dealt. Seven innings, a run or no runs. Next game, Girardi again, dealt again. Then it became like, well, you're, you're throwing to Girardi. You're not throwing to Matheny because now you're, you're hot. So the second half of the season, I, w- I went off. I won a, like eight games, had like a, a mid-two ERA. So my question was, it would be, was, was it me making a mental adjustment and you know, figuring it out, throwing to Girardi? Or was it Matheny's game calling that we couldn't get on the same page? And you can, I can argue it both ways. I, Mike Matheny is as good as they get, but we couldn't get on the same page for some reason. Whether it was my fault or his fault, we just couldn't get, we couldn't do it. And we talked about it. I mean, we went out to dinner. We went, we, we sat in the dugout, you know, on his days off and really talked about pitching. And for some reason, we couldn't get, we couldn't make it happen. Did you guys fix it the next year or were you gone? In it? No, I was gone. I was gone at that point. But then he caught me in St. Louis. He caught me in San Francisco. And again, yeah. I pitched okay, not great to him. I, I ended up throwing better to the, the backup guys. And I don't know why. I don't know if it becomes a mental block after that where you're Who just was like the backup guy. Oh gosh. Was um, it he and Przinsky? It was no well, no. So I'm pretty sure you got some stories about I that do. too, yeah, right? And, and, and I could even it was Tori Alba. Tori Alba. Okay. But when Przinsky caught me, we had some beef. And yeah. Going after our beef, I thought he was purposely gonna be like, I'm just gonna I'm gonna try to screw him and I'm gonna put down, you know, pitchers he that I think are gonna get hit. So I had to really concentrate and really think about what I was doing. And I had a great second half. So I think I and this is where I'm going with this. I don't think it's Smith's fault. I, think, I don't either. I think he's young, young and inexperienced and will eventually learn how to handle a pitching staff. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. You have to know what makes Clayton Kershaw tick that's different than Walker Bueller and is different than Jansen, different than your uh, striplings. You, 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 you get to know those guys and know what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are. And that's a process. You can't just walk into that and be like, I got this figured out because you're not calling the same for every guy. So I don't think it's his fault. That's my thing. I don't think it was Matheny's fault. I think my, my head at that point, there was, there was something going on where we almost thought like we can't get this done. There's a lot of other factors. And one thing I've heard you say, I heard my brother say when he was our guest, I heard Heath Bell say that the body of work is way too small to make that determination based on the fact the kid's been up here two months By the way, Kershaw had his best month of the year when he first came, when Will Smith was first up. So now people are forgetting. I mean, he was lights out for about five starts, and then he he struggled for four or five starts now. Absolutely. But I think it's a fun topic to to, to jump into and really say, hey, what is it? Is it the apple or the orange? So, hey, folks, yeah, we believe in the Dodgers, and we know you do too. We're going to end up this show here, and we're going to come back just uh, with the next show and really break down each matchup in the National League playoffs. So, Brett, you got anything you want to throw out there before we wrap this show up? Um, I missed you. You know, (laughs) it was it was weird. It was weird going on and and not having you chime back in. It was great to have Scott. But, you know, I'm glad you're back. I'm glad we Yeah, One of the things you and I talked about, Brett, that that we wanted for this show when we started doing this show was the diversity. And and everybody has, you know, I'm sentimental about my brother, Scott. Brett's sentimental about his brother. I'm actually sentimental about Brett and Scott because we grew up together. We have a lot in common. That's why 30 years later, we're still connected. But 
But I think beyond sentiment, we're also very educated and intellectual. And we know that other baseball fans have interest in your expertise in, in some of the things that there's a lot of fan guys like me. There's a lot of people that, um, man, your brother has dominated our fantasy baseball league for like 10 years. And I think we're bringing, I don't think he ever, I don't know if he ever drafted me during that, that time. That was the key, not drafting me. <laughs> so, I was a good, I, I, in my defense, I was a great second half pitcher and great fantasy for, well, he probably did that. He probably picked you up second half. He probably, but I, I put up good fantasy numbers in the second half and he knew that. So I'm sure he did at some point. So the point I wanted to make, guys, is this: Brett and I are hoping to, uh, you know, throughout this show, bring on different guest hosts. Um, and if Brett's traveling and I'm traveling, one of us just jump on and hey, say, hey, guess what happened yesterday? We want to talk about it. I talked to Brett briefly via text. Here's what he's thinking. Here's what I had to say. So I love, I loved listening to, to Brett and uh, Scott. Scott's going to be back on for our fantasy baseball preview show, preview show mostly so I can pick his brain. It's <laughs> the only way I can get him to share his philosophy. So, uh, so Brett, that was a lot of fun, and uh, I'm looking forward to having having all of our crew guys that we know bring value to our listeners on the show in the future. So that, yeah. I thought that was cool. I mean, absolutely. I'm looking forward to the playoffs coming up. So it's it's fun to be able to talk about this stuff and really kind of try to figure it out in our heads and try to help you guys out there listening that you know this this could happen. It's just our opinion, but you know it's going to be fun to see. And, hey, guys, I'm going to tease our next show. We're going to go through the four National League playoff teams, and I'm going to tease you by telling you Brett has told me time and time again one of the wild card teams is the team he's most concerned about. If you want to hear more about that, tune into our next show. It's Dr. Jo oh, Dr. Josh Luke. <laughs> Dr. Josh Luke. Do uh, Dr. Duker. Dr. Duker. That's my other podcast, guys. So uh, <laughs> with Brett Tomko signing off on the Dodger Dudes. Thanks again, Brett. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to the Dodger Dudes Show with the former Dodger pitcher Brett Tomko and Josh the Duker Luke. Whether you're at the stadium, on your couch, or at work, don't forget to interact with the hosts on social media at the Dodger Dudes on Twitter and Facebook. That's the Dodger Dudes on both Twitter and Facebook. Check out other SoCal sports podcasts at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. Now go vote on our Twitter and Facebook fan poll and tune in again soon. Game on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.